welcome to Oncology for Inquisitive Mind, our ongoing voyage through the exceptionally fun and quite frankly overwhelming world of ESMO. I say overwhelming because we had originally planned for today's episode to be early breast cancer. And then Josh took a deeper look into some of the presentations. Some of them came online and we found out that there was quite a lot. And so today's episode, apologies if we're disappointing our listeners, but today's episode is actually going to be on small cell lung cancer. We're jumping around like two Mexican jumping beans here, but it is uh, it is something that we feel we need to do in order to give early breast cancer and the mountain of new and exciting stuff its proper day in the sun. So please stay tuned. The early breast cancer stuff and all of the rest of the tumor streams are coming. But today we're talking about small cell lung cancer, which Josh actually had a few studies. Wonders will never cease. Wonders will never cease, Michael. Like the fact you abbreviated the title of our podcast, I enjoyed that as well. What, often? No, you said Oncology for Inquisitive Mind. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> oncology oncology for Inquisitive Minds only. We've got to be that fast with this, but why don't I take the torch and we'll start the start the episode. How does that sound? Sounds good. Let's race away. Much like small cell lung cancer. That's it. Only a few months to go. So the first episode, uh, not the first episode, the first article I want to talk about is called Extent Torch. Extend Torch? Extend Torch, which is a randomized phase three trial of toripalumab versus placebo in combination with chemotherapy as a first-line therapy for patients with extensive stage small cell lung cancer. Now remember a TESO while adding to the benefit of extensive stage small cell lung cancer still only has marginal benefit of a couple of months. The background of this is toripalumab is a PD-1 inhibitor approved in China and it's been fast-tracked with an approval by the FDA for nasopharyngeal carcinoma. The study design, always important to get your head around this, so histologically or cytologically confirmed extensive stage small cell lung cancer, no prior therapy, good performance status, having some measurable disease. They will randomize one-to-one to have toripalumab plus the classic chemotherapy of a platinum and etoposide versus the standard of care, which is just placebo, which isn't really the standard of care, versus placebo with platinum and etoposide. And that was continued as an induction period. And then they had maintenance therapy. Michael, what's the ethical considerations of this trial design? Well, this is actually a question that was raised by the discussant after the paper was uh, presented is given that Empower 133 has been out now for years, you really can't have placebo as a control arm. I don't know why they didn't use a tezolizumab as a control agent, whether they were concerned about the positivity of their results or whether there were access issues. But the question was raised about whether it is ethical to randomize patients to really a substandard treatment. And so that is a huge caveat to place on this study before we even start. Well, I'm glad we agreed on that and you took my bait quite nicely. So thank you. Just call me tuna fish. Okay, okay, tuna fish, tuna fish, tuna fish. Looking at the demographics, so medium age in the 60s, predominantly male, most patients had a history of smoking and most had a good performance status, but ECOG-1 was the predominant one of about 80% of both cohort. Very low numbers had brain mets and pedial expression by tumour less than 1% was seen in about 68% and 64% of each respective arm. Looking at the results now, I've really raced through this, Michael. You should 
be proud. I'm so proud. Thank you. So, so little yakking. So little yakking. The median progression-free survival for the intervention arm was 5.8 versus 5.6 months, with the one-year progression-free survival being 18 months versus 4.9 months with a hazard ratio of 0.667. So, like, not a bad hazard ratio, but again... The median progression-free survival was terrible when you compare them, and the overall survival was 14.6 versus 13.3 months. Very close, with the one-year overall survival rate of 63 versus 54%, so about a 9% difference favoring the immunotherapy arm. The benefit was seen across the subgroups and the biomarker analysis which was conducted showed the tumor mutational burden or pdl one expression was not a predictive marker of progression-free survival and overall survival. With safety, the safety profile was pretty much in keeping of classic immunotherapy and chemotherapy, so I'm not going to go into that. And looking at the conclusion, while this is a statistically significant study, it's not going to change the clinical world at all. I, there is no way I'm going to use this combination versus atezolizumab with chemotherapy. You know, there was a high incidence in those that had never smoked. And Michael, we've already discussed it, but they needed to do it against the standard of care. You know, these are it's a very poor survival cohort. And I don't think it is ethical. I'm being a little bit rough here to kind of not do that. I mean, I understand lots of drug companies can get away with it slightly, but I worry about the results and then I therefore I worry about that's probably not going to be as good as a TESO. I do agree with you. I think that it affects the applicability of the data. And also it is interesting that the the placebo arm actually seemed to do fairly well. If you consider the results of Empower 133, I think the median overall survival was somewhere between 12 and 14 months, which was both statistically and clinically better than the placebo arm, which was standard of care at that time. But the placebo arm in this study actually seem to be better than what one would expect for patients with with small cell lung cancer. In the discussion of this article, they they did um, mention and focus quite a bit on patients with EGFR mutant adenocarcinoma that are transformed into small cell lung cancer. I don't know if I missed that in the original presentation, but I couldn't actually find it. But a significant proportion of patients, I think it was about 50%, were treated with a TKI afterwards. And so potentially that might be confounding the results in terms of uh, overall survival, less less progression-free survival, but overall survival, where these patients are actually living for longer because their biology is slightly different. I'm not, I'm, I'm sort of reading between the lines here based on what was said um, outside of the actual presentation. But either way, it's interesting. Yeah, I think they're still looking, we're still looking for ways to differentiate between those rare patients with small cell that will have an initial complete response and maintain it versus those who will not, uh, where as of yet, not really, uh, not really there. There is some data for certain HLA subtypes that they might actually carry a better prognosis, but I don't have much more information than that. Well, Michael, since you don't, why don't we move to our next trial? Yes. Let's not wallow in the fact that we don't know everything. So the next trial is also an interesting trial. It's a trial of lerbonectidin, which is um, which is an older drug, a drug that a lot of our listeners will have significant clinical experience with. This is lerbonectidin in combination with pembrolizumab in relapsed small cell lung cancer, the phase 1-2 looper study. 
which is a great name, Looper. It sounds like a, one of my favourite films directed by Ryan Johnson. Anyway, lerbonectidin is an agent that inhibits trans-activated transcription factors and modulates the tumour microenvironment. It is approved by the FDA for extensive stage small cell lung cancer after progression on or after platinum-based chemotherapy. Hey, Michael, um, I love the movie Looper too. I haven't seen it in years. I really wish they did a sequel. Yeah, well, I think that it's a standalone film that's really good. Anyway, besides the point, um, I was like, I've seen this movie. Michael, keep going. You're doing great. It's, great. it's a fantastic movie. Very underrated. Interestingly, pembrolizumab by itself has been shown to be very ineffective in small cell lung cancer with a response rate of about 20%. So... Already we're raising questions about the added benefit of pembrolizumab to lerbonectidin. Looper is a prospective phase one to two multicenter open label study of the combination of lerbonectidin and pembrolizumab for patients who have relapsed small cell lung cancer. The data presented at ESMO were the phase two results as the phase one um, safety data has already been presented. So the inclusion criteria for uh, Looper were patients had to be greater than 18 years old with histologically confirmed small cell lung cancer, progression after first line platinum-based chemotherapy, an ECOG performance status of one, measurable disease, and brain metastases were allowed if treated and asymptomatic. Now, the biggest inclusion criteria or the inclusion criteria that I have the biggest problem with, similar to uh, our discussion about Exentorch, Josh, is that patients could not have immunotherapy. So patients were not having a standard of care. Now, it is a slightly different situation in their recruiting patients who have already had treatment. So for whatever reason, they haven't had immunotherapy as part of some sort of clinical decision. But it does, again, potentially affect the applicability of these results, given that uh, all the patients enrolled were naive to immunotherapy. The primary endpoint was overall response rate, with the secondary endpoints being investigated, assessed duration of response, PFS, OS, and safety. A very small study, as one would expect from a phase one slash two study with 28 patients enrolled. The median age was 65, the majority of patients were male, and 100% of patients were current or former smokers. The ECOG performance status was one in 60% of patients, and 51.9% of patients had platinum-resistant disease, which is defined as progression less than 90 days after the last dose of platinum chemotherapy. About 21% of patients had CNS involvement. Now I'm throwing out a lot of very high percentages, but it's important to keep in mind that the absolute numbers of those various subgroups that I just described are actually quite small. In terms of the results, the overall response rate was 46.4%, which is favorable when you consider it to lerbonectin and monotherapy or topotecan or have chemotherapy, certainly compared to pembrolizumab monotherapy. Responses were seen in both platinum-sensitive and platinum-resistant disease. Specifically, the breakdown, two patients had a complete response that was actually maintained. One patient has completed two years of treatment without a recurrence, which is fantastic, and 11 patients had a partial response. The median progression-free survival was 5.3 months. The six-month PFS rate was 42%. The 12-month PFS rate was 21%. And the PFS was significantly longer in patients with platinum-sensitive disease with a median PFS of 10 months compared to three months in platinum-resistant patients. In terms of safety, nothing really new here, but there was a significant rate of grade three to five treatment-related adverse events at 71%. 14% of patients had an adverse event that, that led to the discontinuation of the trial treatment. To conclude, Lupa, the primary endpoint was met and there is potentially robust response when you're talking about 
second line therapy, which we use the term dead zone when talking about CNS tumors a couple of episodes ago. This is an almost equivalent dead zone where there are very few good options. As I said, the main issue with this is that patients did not have IO in the first line treatment, and it would be interesting to see a similar trial that focuses on rechallenge of IO. There were high rates of grade three to five toxicity, which from the very limited experience I have with lebanectin is not surprising. And there were good rates of control, but there were good rates of control in platinum sensitive disease. Now, the other question you have to raise with this is, is it better than a rechallenge of platinum sensitive chemotherapy? which is an option if you have platinum-sensitive disease. There was a study that looked at this, and the overall response rate with a platinum rechallenge was 49%, with a PFS of 4.7 months. So you actually might be looking at a better option. But again, the lack of IO really does make me question the reproducibility and applicability of these numbers. So further research is required, and it will be interesting to see, again, if the overall response rate can be maintained in patients who have previously had IO. Well, I think it's I think it's potentially positive, but it will be something to evaluate in the later line study. Yeah, it's it's a thing that we just don't know. We don't know because it should be compared to the standard immunotherapy or something else, yeah. or something to kind of really see its response rate. And look, the objective response rate is fine, but for all we know, one of these drugs isn't actually doing anything. Exactly, and that is a question about how much the Pembro is adding to the lebanectin. Josh, we have one more small cell study to get through, and it's of your favorite drug in the whole world. Well, maybe a second. Yeah, I think your um, uh, opinion of FGFR inhibitors is just as high, but you love sasetuzumab govotecan. I do, I do. It revolutionized the world of triple negative breast cancer at the second line, and maybe you'll do the same for small cell lung cancer. Who knows? But tune in and we'll tell you right now. So this trial, Saxotism of Govatecan, is looking at it as, as a second line treatment for small cell lung cancer. And these are the preliminary results from the phase two Tropics 03 trial. So the background is that treatment options are terrible as this whole episode has said for small cell lung cancer, and they're limited. This trial is looking at the TROP2-directed antibody drug conjugates, which I'm a huge fan of as a class of drug, uh, which has already been approved in other cancers. The TROPICS-03, while an ongoing trial, is an open-label, multi-cohort, phase 2 study evaluating saxotizumab govotecan in patients with locally advanced or metastatic solid tumors. Key eligibility criteria, so have to have histologically confirmed disease, have to have disease progression after no more than one prior line of platinum-based chemo and an anti PD-1, so that's your atezolizumab in this case, measurable disease, good performance status, no terrible brain metastases, which, you know, is hard because small cell like lung cancer goes to the brain. There were 40 patients in this cohort and they were given the drug every day one and day eight of a 21-day cycle. And the primary endpoint was objective response rate. And the secondary endpoint was all the things that we have grown to love and know on this show, including duration of response, objective response rate, overall survival, progression-free survival. I won't bore you, Michael. Demographics, median age was the late 60s with a predominance towards female. Most had been current or former smokers and most had a performance status of one. 93% had stage four disease at initial diagnosis and best response to prior therapy showed the complete response or partial response in 50% and stable or progressive disease in a further 33%. Let's 
go to the results. The median duration of treatment was 3.9 months. So they've, they've survived one or two scans. The median number of cycles was six. 63% discontinued treatment at the time of cutoff, with the primary endpoint of objective response rate being 37%, which included partial response and complete response, and a further 50% had stable disease. Michael, it's my favorite drug, but these are also quite nice numbers. They are quite nice numbers, hey? Thank you. And secondary endpoint, uh, when you look at that combination of the complete response disease control rate, that was 87%. And the clinical benefit rate was about 40% of at least six months. So at the six-month mark, 40% of patients still had benefit. And remember, as a second-line therapy, ain't too shabby. Median duration of response was 6.3 months and 77% of patients post-baseline tumor assessment had some form of tumor reduction. No new safety features. We've spoken about this before. And grade three treatment-related adverse events was about 50% and about 27% of those needed dose reductions. But there were no deaths whilst on trial due to the treatment itself. Most commonly, diarrhea, neutropenia, fatigue, alopecia. A lot of my patients get alopecia with uh, saxitimab, govotecan. So my conclusion, or our conclusion, lucky last and maybe best for last, saxitimab, govotecan demonstrated promising efficacy as a second-line treatment with extensive stage small cell lung cancer. It was a manageable safety that was consistent with a known safety profile, and there was no breakthrough of platinum-sensitive versus platinum-resistant patients. That would be interesting to see patients who had had prior treatment and sort of the breakdown of how they responded in the second line because platinum-resistant, there would be an interesting analysis to see if you had really resistant disease early on. Does that mean that you would actually perform worse? And the answer is probably yes, but an analysis would be very nice to kind of help confer that we could have that discussion with patients. And look, this study is ongoing, so it will be interesting to look at these future results. And remember, the TROP2 receptor is quite you know, spread on a lot of tumor tissues, a lot of different types of tissues. So it's a good marker, at least initially, as we kind of look to target treatments a bit further. And I'm excited. I think if we had to rate these trials, I would say this trial is number one, Michael, your trial as number two, and then the Xtend Torch one was just a bit sad. That's a decent rating. Reach consensus on that. All right, consensus has been reached, and our MDT is coming to a conclusion. Absolutely. But the MDT will continue to roll on here on Oncology for the inquisitive mind. Tomorrow, we will be starting our long-promised two-part series on early breast cancer highlights at ESMO. So we really hope that you will continue with us on this journey. We'll see you tomorrow. See you, Mikey. Thank you for listening to Oncology for the Inquisitive Mind. You'll find previous episodes on our website, along with weekly posts, resources, and links to our Twitter and LinkedIn pages. Check it out at inquisitiveonk.com. That's inquisitiveonk.com. <laughs> <laughs>